You want to hear something really nutty? I heard of a couple of guys who want to build something called an airplane. You know, you get people to go in and fly around like birds. It's ridiculous, right? And what about breaking the sound barrier, or rockets to the moon, or atomic energy, or a mission to Mars? Science fiction, right? Look, all I'm asking is for you to just have the tiniest bit of vision. You know, to just sit back for one minute and look at the big picture. To take a chance on something that just might end up being the most profoundly impactful moment for humanity. For the history of history. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, March 28, 2016. Tree Ford is over, and so is our March Music Showcase. It's always way too much for me to process, but at the very least, I'll make an attempt. And today, I'm speaking with Jason Sievers, designer of Tree Ford's Trail Guide. And I think you've done that every single year, is that correct? Yeah, this is number five for us, so... Awesome. Jason is many things, but especially an animator, filmmaker, and photographer. He's created videos for the likes of the Posies and Finn Riggins, and is an aficionado of Boise rock history. He is one of the normal faces you see at your annual tree fording missions. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great. I'm recovering, but uh, I feel actually pretty good today after uh, trekking around for five days straight. Yes, and so... Would you say you had a good tree fort? I had a really good tree fort. It was a lot of fun this year. You know, um, at the onset, like, uh, there wasn't as many out-of-town bands I was excited about, but I always get really excited to see um, local friends, so I kind of go with that, and then I'm usually pleasantly surprised by a few things along the way. Always, yeah. And so, um, let's see. You've done all five, then, as a... As a guest, I guess, someone who's yeah. partaken in it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of um, overindulged in it in terms of just trying to see as many bands and friends' bands as possible um, to where it's been kind of ridiculous a, a few times where it's like, okay, slow down. You can't see it all. Yeah, I always that's try. That's kind of the nice, nice thing about Tree Fort. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, what sticks with you this year? What are you going to hold on to for a while? Um, I guess I go into local stuff later, but in terms of like stuff that really surprised me or that I wasn't expecting and um, stuck with me, the first night, a uh, weed at the Neurolux, kind of a stoner doom metal type band. Where are they from? Um, you know, I, I did not figure out where they're from. I'll have to do some research. I saw them at the Neurolux, and then they played a record exchange showcase the next day. Yeah. Or one of the secret shows, and they were a lot of fun. Um, guitar player, bass player, and two drummers. Um, ah. Kind of slow and heavy, but, but like, happy guys with, like, really good energy. It was, it was nice. Um and then I saw Acid Mother Temple at the Acid, Mo- Acid, Acid Mother's Temple at uh-huh. the uh, Neurolux. They were great. Uh, I had didn't really know a lot about them going in and just uh, went to that one on a tip from a friend. And that was really awesome. Yeah, it seems like that. I read a little bit about them. There's some kind of collective, like artistic collective in Japan, and they do more than just music, but... 
what was it what was it metal or you know it, it psychedelic psychedelic uh you know if you like our local bands built to spill and caustic resin i think you'd like it it was kind of like the guitar crescendos of that stuff um all strung together without quite as much song uh-huh pretty epic instrumental i think there was one guy who did some some vocals but it was mostly about uh guitar riffs and kind of psychedelic sound spaces there's one guy in the band who uh kind of dressed in drag and wore like this long green wig and was pretty flamboyant and kind of played the role of the front man but i think the kind of main guy is their virtuoso guitar player gotcha Um, yeah they they were great well, that was Wednesday night. I think that was... That like- was. So, yeah, now I'm trying to think back to all the nights. I know yesterday I saw a couple bands, um, Sunbathe, Sunbathe at the Elcora Shrine, kind of a uh, just a nice uh, pop band with female vocals. And um, a band called Dana Bowie at the... Um, Neurolux that I really liked, a, th- a three-piece, and I, you know, I don't know, I think maybe the Sunbathe band was from Portland, but I don't know where uh, Dana Bowie was from. I need to go back and do some post-research on some of the bands I like. Well, so here's a question. Now, you your f- official work for the festival is designing the trail guide, or are you part of a team that designs the trail guide? You know, um, it's done through the company I work for, Davies Moore. Um, uh-huh. We sponsor, and it, it happened really organically. The very first year when Treefort was coming together, I was pretty excited at just hearing them talk about it, and I um, told Eric Gilbert, festival director, that um, if they do it again next year, we should put together a little guidebook, and they really liked the idea and said, hey, do you think we could do it this year? And we were up against a pretty tight deadline but we threw together that first one and i think we sent some of it out to print but i know we did several hundred copies just at davies more up on our photocopy machine like late at night with the early tree fork crew like Lori and drew and eric and uh megan you know it's such a huge kind of team now but it was pretty small when they were first starting so yeah they were up in my office folding and stapling and cutting the very first guide but it's kind of evolved into something a bit more official with um in the last few years yeah this the the guide this year is really slick i always 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 whenever talking about the trail guide give so much credit to james lloyd who's um the illustrator for tree fort and really what gives them such a cool visual identity. I mean, I'd like to say they were they had shrewd branding, but it's just that they are smart enough to let a cool artist kind of control the look of it, and um, that's a big part of doing the trail guide. It's like if I have his art and I just kind of stay out of the way, it's hard to mess it up. <laughs> but, you know, there's things we can mess up. <laughs> Well, we'll blame that on him. Uh, <laughs> the, the, anything that gets messed up is the blame can uh, go on the whole team. Yeah, I know. Um, speaking, of, I mean, so the 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 twenty twelve story is super romantic. It's the night before stapling, and I'm curious, what do you remember of Tree Fort One, twenty twelve? Oh gosh. Um... 
You know, it's such a continuum, it's hard to remember what elements came and went. I was thinking uh, yesterday when I was wandering around, I think there was a form of ale fort, but it was a um, like a big dome tent next to the modern, and that, that whole thing was a lot smaller. But they had some performers over there, and uh, um, I know this whole phenomena of all the non-official shows happening at some of the bars and stuff around hadn't really taken root then, so... We were trying to figure out, my wife and I, I don't think the Shrine was one of the venues on the first one, right? No, the Shrine, I don't think the Shrine was a venue. And I remember uh, that what the big headliner that year was of Montreal. And yeah. They played in the the last night and it uh, rained on us. Oh, see, I didn't, the, the Treeport 1 happened, and I know that I was interested, but I didn't know, I mean, it just kind of happened, and so... I didn't have the, that time off work, and so uh-huh. I was only doing like the really late night stuff. Yeah, some of some of it all blends together over those first couple of years, but I definitely remember you know um, the of Montreal show and a lot of the local stuff. I think it was the um, second or third year that Built the Spill did their three night residency at the El Cora Shrine, which was pretty fun. Right. Yeah, I, Treeport One for me was it was uh, being back in the the Crazy Horse like 20 years later. That was uh-huh. kind of like the oh wow, you know, it's like so much has changed and nothing has at all. You know, the same kind of <laughs> just the sweaty. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was the Red Room for those first couple Treeports. It was, but you know, uh, in you... my head, it was. I mean. It's always the crazy horse. Well, now that you horse. say the crazy horse, and I th- think of that, um, the gosh, the first three tree forts, the, probably the most amazing thing was those uh, teens shows, a local band that's not around anymore. I think I went, well, I don't know if I went to one or if I just saw the photographic evidence of those shows. Yeah, they invited the whole audience up onto the stage, and I think I was up there all three years, but it was kind of crazy wild, but it, in a really fun celebratory way and i think the first uh couple years that was one of the final shows of tree fort so it really was kind of this big crazy end all party um and then the last year they played it was at the crux i think it was on the second or third night yeah it seems it's it's funny how the festival it had it organically develops uh, this rhythm and then as things change, you know, it's like, so Finn Riggins opened the festival one, two or three years. So I think it was two or three years. It was like the kickoff. Uh-huh. And then like you were saying, built to spill doing, um, every, it, it seems like there's a pattern, but it's not super strong. So I think they must've headlined the main stage the first year. And then, uh, they did at least two nights the next two years at the shrine. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, Doug Marsh has been so generous with his time to the festival, and I think that the nights they play the Shrine, I think he's pretty involved in curating uh, the opening bands. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, The Hand and The Dark Swallows, or Dark Swallows have been um, part of those bills, and then bands that he likes. Um, this year I didn't see the band that played right before them, Wimps, but I know um, he's had Slam Dunk and some some bands like that play that slot with him. 
But yeah, uh, speaking of Build Spill, it was kind of the best of both worlds this year with the main stage show with the five-piece uh, lineup, and then um, last night they played um, just as a three-piece, which I always like that because that's um, kind of reminds me of their shows, gosh, 20, 15, 20 years ago when they were a three-piece, and you could really hear Doug's guitar playing kind of on its own. Yeah, so tell me, do you... Are... I mean, as we all are built to spill connoisseurs at this point, just because we've seen them so many times, do you have a couple, what are your best built to spill shows that, you know, are the ones that you have to tell people about? Oh, you know, there's been so many, I'm a huge built to spill fan and I was a fan of theirs before I moved to Boise. So I was pretty excited to move here and be able to see them. Um, When did you move here? I moved here the fall of 94, which was shortly before uh, There's Nothing Wrong With Love came out. Uh-huh. But I had been I had been going to community college in Montana and was obsessed over uh, that first record, Ultimate Alternative Waivers. It was like my favorite thing when it came out. So. And did they um, come was, through and play shows at that point in time where you were at? You know, I hadn't, I never saw them and I hadn't ever seen the tree people. I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho, and I had a lot of friends that had seen some tree people shows in Pullman and the uh, tree people guys actually had some, um, friendships with some Pullman bands. That, um, so yeah, they, I kind of knew of them, but it was when I was living in Montana that a friend sent me, uh, the first built the spill album. And I just loved that. And when I was, when I graduated from community college, I was actually looking at where to go to college. Um, where to transfer to, and that actually kind of figured into me coming to Boise. I was like, well, something cool must be going on in Boise, and I didn't really want to go back up to northern Idaho because that's where yeah, you know everyone from my high school went to the University of Idaho, and I wanted to do something a little different, so I kind of took a shot in the dark and ended up in Boise, but I, I love it here. Well, didn't you inevitably kind of end up mixing up with some tree tree? Some of those guys, you know... Gosh, the, I'm trying to think of the timeline. At some point, I did a video for uh, Brett, one of Brett Nelson's side bands, and and Boise's small enough that over the years, if you're going to shows and you know making friendships with uh, yeah, but I think didn't you like you were at the school paper, the Arbiter, with a Small John? Oh yeah, you know um, Pat Pat Brown, Pat Small John, the uh, bass player for the Tree People, was the um, editor of the. Boise State Arbiter, so I met both the Small John brothers um, pretty early on. Yeah. You know, and it, uh, Built the Spill last night played uh, the song Pat, which is a tribute to Pat, and had Scott Small John uh, come up on stage with them. So oh, I did cool. have a full circle moment where when I um, think of all the stuff that's going on in Boise and Tree Fort, I naturally think to Pat because he was a person that, you know, before I even moved here that was a uh, putting on house shows and encouraging bands. I know Doug Marsh has told stories about being a teenager and just um, looking to Pat as a mentor, as a guy who kind of told told bands and artists, don't wait for people to make your opportunities, go out and do it yourself. Um, and obviously I think a lot of that spirit continues on in what's going on locally now. Yeah. I had a moment like that in Seattle where... April and I had just moved to Seattle, and we went to a Built to Spill show at uh, the Experience Music Project. 
which it was an interesting space, but um, the hand opened. And so it just felt like such a Boise night, but we were in Seattle and it just had this. And then I think it was right after uh, Chris Tacchino died. Uh-huh. And, and, and so, record. yeah, who, you know, same kind of story where, you know, he went to uh, Sub Pop and said, I think you should put the built to spill on your label. And he's like, I think you should start your own label and do it. And then he started up records, I think is the story. But then he, Doug played a Captain Beefheart song in his honor, and it was just one of those nice built to spill moments. They really are um, a good ambassador for this city, um, you know, touring the states and the world. Doug Marsh is a pretty genuine, sweet guy. If there's going to be anyone kind of out there counteracting whatever stereotypes people might have of, Idaho or the Northwest. Um, I don't know if I could pick a better person. He's kind of quiet and soft-spoken, but nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's fun to hear secondhand stories. Uh, I have friends that have gone on tour with them that talk about, you know, in some places it's like people seeing the Beatles where they're screaming. They just can't believe, you know, this rock legend is there. And then he's just yeah. Well, and the funny thing about that is they've crossed into this place where they have a mass of fans, but then then they also have some kind of dumb fans, for the lack of better word. Like I don't know. Maybe I feel I can kind of feel mean spirited for saying that, but um, like last night there was some like really obnoxious people out in the crowd. But I guess with any band that level and any show that big, you're going to run into that. Yeah, I guess. That's an interesting subject, obnoxious fans in Treefort. For the most part, I don't think you can go to a show and not be a little annoyed. But for the most part, I would say that I've had a pretty good track record at Treefort. You know, last night um, was the first time that I kind of saw some just obnoxious crowd behavior. There was some people shoving their way into, you know fit into spaces where there was no more room up front. I built the spill and um, getting a little physical and arguing and um, the security came and intervened in a couple situations. But other than that, I was, you know, I didn't see hardly any of that. Yeah. But uh, that's, you know, you have crowds and drinking and stuff. That's kind of to be expected that you're going to have a little bit of... Yeah. Stuff. And for you, you're right. For the most part, the crowds have been great. I didn't spend a ton of time at the main stage, but I always had a really nice time over in that area. Yeah. And I actually I, um, went to the Built to Spill main stage show, and I thought that was a great Built to Spill set. Oh, I loved that one. Um, did you catch anything at the Boise Contemporary Theater? No, I didn't. I wanted to, and I was curious about that venue. How was that? Did you make it over there? Yeah, I caught three shows there, and that was kind of one of the surprise uh, things for me of the festival. It was such a cool space. I saw um, the local bands Bijou and Like a Villain there one afternoon, uh-huh. and those were both really cool sets. And then the next day I saw Darling Roller Coaster, and they they were really perfect for that space because they used the big screen behind them and did projections, and it, it was really theatrical and um well suited for them it was kind of a quieter sit down really dark um spaces i was taking pictures and it was one of the more challenging places to take pictures in but um 
Very cool, very cool venue. In fact, I don't think they were in the mix yesterday because I was looking on the schedule and I probably would have gone to see some bands just to go back to that venue. Hmm. Yeah, I I know that every year the footprint changes a little bit, and it seems like this year the the new addition is uh, the Olympic. I I ended up in that space a lot. I, w- I went there for two shows, and I thought it was really nice. I saw um, Gia Trotter, um, her new band, 2x2 two two there, and they were great. Cool. And uh, late night, I saw a, a guy, kind of, a, I don't know how to describe it, uh, Lee Fraker, did you catch that set? No. no. Kind of a hip-hop type thing, I think. Um, it's one of my blurrier Tree Fort memories. Yeah. <laughs> I I made it to the Rose Room once. Yeah, I did not make it there this year. Um, one of my favorite, I I know the Charles Bradley show was supposed to be really amazing. Uh huh. Um, I decided to skip that one to catch some a uh, handful of local bands, and I went over to Shredder and caught a little bit of um, Cerberus Rex. Okay. Who I love, um, kind of a heavy psychedelic band is um, that with, uh, that's josh galloway right and josh galloway jake height and zach house and they're they're great they recently released a, a cassette only release oh nice which is kind of fun funny in this day and age without a download code included which i thought uh was extra balls in the <laughs> anyway i went and saw them I went and saw them, and then I uh, went over to the Mardi Gras and saw Fanta Hex, and that, unfortunately, was um, a very poorly attended gig with Charles Bradley happening at the other end of town, but it was pretty amazing um, that, I don't know if you've been to the Mardi Gras recently, but it kind of has a uh, old, very ballroom-looking stage, and then they had this big ballroom dance floor, and it was like completely empty in this weird electronic band is playing uh I think I've only been in there one time and that was uh no effects like in the mid nineties or early nineties. Yeah, I remember one huge show there in the nineties where they tried to do like the all the big local bands of the time, so it was a triple bill with House of Hoy Ploy, Midline and Built the Spill at the Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. Um, I think that was the only other time I've ever been there. But yeah, Fanta Hex the other night, Grant Olson dressed up in a suit and wore some makeup. And um, shooting photos of it was pretty amazing because there was no crowd around or anybody to bug. And it almost felt like a closed set. Then <laughs> uh, the Mardi Gras is a pretty huge space. So there, you know, there might have been 20 people like sitting off in the corners and tables and stuff. But it it felt pretty cavernous and empty for that set, but I don't think I don't. That was the first at Tree Fort for Mardi Gras, I think. Yeah, I, I hope they do more there. It was um, that was the only thing I saw there. I think the first night they did a pretty big show yeah, there. Yeah, I think Wednesday night it was a. Uh, so I think at the Shrine was the local showcase, and then Wednesday night at Mardi Gras was a bunch of really. It was a lot of good stuff. Uh, kicked off with Lucy Dacus, which is uh, one of the buzzy names that came out of South by Southwest. So, but that feels like ancient history. It's so weird. You do the tree fort thing, and Wednesday 
I mean, it almost it's feels like old news. By right, the time it's like another Sunday. year. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that at the beginning of all I this. I did catch. Um, I know Alex G was part of that show at the Mardi Gras that first night, and I was gonna get over to that, and I didn't. But I caught some of his um, record exchange set, and that was really good. Um, definitely, I think he's like a twenty-two-year-old kid, but you could definitely hear. Um, did you hear pavement? Built, yeah. Built the spill and pavement. Uh, in his music, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I caught him at the record exchange as well as your friend, which I liked. I liked those guys better at the record exchange than I did at the Mardi Gras later that night, which was interesting. Yeah, I actually heard a lot of people saying that your friend uh, was really great at the record exchange, but I missed, happened to miss that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then... Man, I'm drawing a blank on Thursday night. I don't even remember what was going on. Oh, I have all Thursday my... night. I have my guide. I got my guide out so I could jog my memory. Yeah, uh, me too. I saw um, I saw Sunblood. Oh, the OCs. Did you make night. it to the OCs? That... I did not do the OCs. I'm trying to think of what was happening during the OCs that I skipped out on to see something else. I did. Um, one of the things I really loved on Thursday nights was the Heinz. Uh, was they played the Lennon Building? I think they're that a was Spanish that was the next band. night. The Heinz were at the Shrine on Thursday night. So oh, okay, yeah, they were the Lennon Building on Friday. Uh, Friday. I'm trying to think during the OCs, I would have been at. Oh, I was over at the Shredder for a band called Groggy Bikini. See, I didn't make it to the Shredder this year. Did you happen to go to the? I was really curious about the Head Wound City show. I didn't didn't take that one in. The stuff I saw at the Shredder was uh, Groggy Bikini, which is um, John Hale. Um, yeah. A guy that's involved with the Boise Hive, but he was the singer of an old Boise band called the Commonops mm-hmm. from the 80s. And they're kind of, he recently moved back here from Seattle, and the Commonops are uh, kind of going again. I know they all live in different places, but Wayne from the Tree People is playing the drums with them now. And a couple times a year, uh, the members come out here to record and play shows. They uh, have been recording this month, and they played a um, show at the Vista Bar like a week before Tree Fort. And anyway, John has a second band called Groggy Bikini, which is kind of more of his local rock thing. And I went and saw them, and they played right before Divers from Portland. I don't know if you've ever seen that band, but they're phenomenally great live. Huh. It's interesting. Sometimes bands, you know, I'm just speaking generally, some bands really do, like, they translate the music is so great on the record. And others, you know, it's it's okay on the record, but live there's just something there that they bring to the show that's amazing. I have not. I need to uh, buy a Divers record because I don't own anything by them, but I've seen them live twice. And uh, the singer guitarist guy is just a live wire. He uh, he only stops kind of moving when he's up at the mic singing. When he's just playing guitar, he's all over the stage. And, and they play that, you know, really fast, high-energy rock and roll. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch. Well, now, here's my curiosity with you. So do you end up with a press pass? Or do you just... I, um, the last couple of years have... Just asked for a photo pass in right. favor for doing the booklet, and they've been pretty good about it. Um, 
I have friends that are on the volunteer photo team, and uh, my friend Christina Birkenbein, who's in charge of that, was trying to talk to me about um, applying for it this year. And the only reason I didn't is because you kind of were on assignment, and you can pick some of the stuff you want to see, but you don't necessarily have autonomy just to go see whatever. And I kind of like setting my own tree forts schedule yeah and you also kind of have your own network anyway uh you know you you do your 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 shoots and you put it on your facebook page and and you have a network of people who are interested in your work anyway so yeah and you know a lot of my stuff is really local and i'm friends with a lot of people so it's kind of i mean i don't it's not a that i'm doing it for the bands but i i feel good about bands being happy and using the images and it was funny there was that band sunbathe i saw yesterday uh-huh. they were at the shrine and when they started i think there was as many people there taking pictures of them as there was just watching and in that case i kind of feel ridiculous doing the photographer thing because it's i don't know it's, it, it was interesting having a photo pass and like being up in the pit for built to spill and youth lagoon and uh but I felt more comfortable at the smaller local shows where it was my friends and, you know, one of the official photographers may have buzzed in and taken a quick picture and left, but I kind of like sitting and taking in a whole show and snapping a few photos along the way. Okay. So then it doesn't get in the way. Like you can, so for me, I like to like take a snap just to like, just to have the document of, but then I need to let go of that tool and get it out of the way so I can be in the moment if the moment's going to happen for me? You know, I, I understand that, but I, um, I I don't know. I kind of, when I take photos, I, I get in a zone where I feel like I'm kind of still in the moment, enjoying the music. Right. But there, there are definitely times where it's like, okay, I there's nothing more to shoot here. I've taken, you know, 10 photos of this person singing and now I can put the cap on my camera and just enjoy it and listen for a bit. So, so there is something to what you're saying. Um, part of, uh, my process or my creativity when I'm doing it, though, I feel like I'm trying to stay in, in that moment and capture it. So I think I'm getting older and crankier and so it gets so hard for me to like break through my shell and to just be like I love those moments when you're at the show and your whole life just drops away and there's nothing but you the band and the music like even the crowd drops away and yeah yeah um I hate that we're talking or always bring it back to built the spill but um Last night, my friend Ryan had said something when we were watching their show and seeing them as a three-piece, and I think they ended with Time Trap. And I remember, you know, them playing that uh, song at the Neurolux, you know, 1997 or 98, and kind of having that same feeling you're talking about and revisiting it last night and feeling nostalgic for that time, but being uh, thankful that, uh, we have this band still around that can kind of transport us back to that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. There was so my built to spill show of all time, I think, was 
during the River Festival, there was a secret word-of-mouth show that Built to Spill was putting on for free at the Neuralux. And um, it was all... It was like Tree Fort before there was Tree Fort, where you go to a show where all your friends are there. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like... And then uh, it was free, and it was during the River Fest, and so I just felt like, like that was my... That's that's my epic all-time best built to spill show. <laughs> you asked me that earlier, and I think my favorite was uh, Doug played a few shows. He broke up the uh, band for There's Nothing Wrong With Love, which was Brett Nelson and Andy Caps. Yeah. And he did a tour with the rhythm section for a band called Link out of Olympia. Uh-huh. And they played a back-to-back local show. One night they played the Crazy Horse and then the Neuralux. And I remember going to both of those shows and it being um, really awesome. The guys in Link were a little bit younger than Doug, and you could tell they were just super excited to be playing with him. And Oh, and uh, John McMahon was still playing cello, so they were playing as a four-piece with a cello on about half the songs. But it, was, it was good. Yeah. Those are some that really stand out for me. Okay, so we'll uh, get back. Oh, Youth Lagoon. I was curious. So there's a band that was definitely influenced by Built to Spill. And I, I remember, I mean, I love his stuff, and it definitely took off. Like, he just became huge so fast. And in 2013, he played the main stage at Tree Fort, and I was kind of... Um, bored by that performance that year uh-huh. uh i found that that was the best moment for me to escape and get some cheese sandwiches from archie's place archie. but this year i thought his main stage show was incredible i actually am a little bit bummed that i saw the first few songs and then i skipped out to go see dark swallows which I want to say that was the same thing in 2013 um, when he played main stage. I want to say it was uh, Dark Swallows over at the Elkora Shrine uh, then, too, for some whatever reason. Probably was. Uh, but, I yeah, I like his stuff a lot. Um, and I think that was his final performance last night. Or... And I've been arguing, not arguing, but kind of grouchy about that because it seems like now he's a young guy, and I understand... But when you you create, uh, to sound crass, like a brand, like you don't have to throw it away. Like take a year off. But if you start from scratch again, I can't believe he's not going to play music anymore. Then he's basically starting all over again. It seems like. Yeah, I always kind of wonder about people, and also people making pronouncements. Um, even older people, like I remember a few years ago, or this is probably like. 15, 20 years ago, Bob Mould from Husker Du and Sugar and obviously a respected solo artist, he made some kind of flat declaration that he was done playing loud rock music and, you know, going to kind of do the quieter acoustic thing. And he did a couple albums of that and then kind of got the itch and has kind of returned to that and has been out touring with a three-piece again. And uh, Yeah. So, yeah, it's always interesting with the artists kind of make these really flat proclamations about what they're going to do in the future because 
I think Justin Bieber like retired, right? He's like sixteen. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I was flipping through channels earlier, and I think he was on Ellen today. I should have tuned in. Um, no, but so he retired before, and now he's got this huge album. You can't turn on the radio without hit hearing the Beeb. Um, I know this because I have young kids. Uh, uh, but back to Treefort. So we've kind of made it through Thursday. And you you saw Heinz at the Linen Building on Friday. It sounds like. Yeah, you know, I went there. I was trying to get into Thunder Pussy at Hannah's, and the lines were ridiculous. And so I just wanted to go see Ancient Psychic at the Linen Building, and I just went early for that, and ended up seeing Heinz, and I loved them. And Ancient Psychic was really great too. I've heard their record, but I'd never seen them live. Yeah. Did you happen to see? Let's see. I think they might have had a little bit of time to make it to Diarrhea Planet. I missed that one. Because I heard a lot of good things about that. That was one of the ones that people told me to go see. But, uh, yeah, they were at that same time as Ancient Psychic. Yeah. And the same time as the Rocky Johnson band, so it was some tough decisions. <laughs> My wife waited in line for Thunder Pussy. I couldn't do that. You know, I had the zip line pass. Um but and some of the clubs kind of had people out front directing traffic, but that was the Hamlets just had a big line going out the door, and I didn't think the uh, people lined up down the block on the fifth and main block would be excited about me cutting in front. With your hey y'all, line. I got a zip line pass. Well, aren't you respectful? I think though, here's the lesson. My 2016 Treefort line lesson is that. It seems like people give up pretty easy, and if you're willing to wait about half the set, you probably will get in, even if you're at the back of the line. Yeah, and I think it's just about planning. Usually those shows that are really big, if you get into the one before that, there's no line. Yeah, well, even the night the OCs, I thought that that was the hot ticket and that you were going to have to watch the Heinz if you were going to see the OCs also. But, uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to see uh, what was it? I don't remember. I I start. I watched the beginning of the Heinz, and they had such great energy, and they were just so darling. Um, but I needed to see something else, and so I knew that I probably wasn't going to get back into the shrine that night, and so I went. It must have been. Uh, I went and saw the Foreign Resort at the Olympic, and I interviewed those guys, and they're great. And I and I thought their their set was great too, but then after their show was over, then I uh, I walked right in no line at the shrine at that time, and then the OC started, and then the line formed, and and so I I only stayed for like one song because my wife was out on the sidewalk, and I just thought, all right, it's time to call it a night. Oh well. For better or worse, I was flying solo for most of Treefort this year, so. Um, I made it to the end of just about every night. Last night, I uh, decided not to try to get into the Neuralux for the yacht DJ set. Where were you before that? I'm curious. Uh, over at the uh, shrine for the Built to Spill show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which they what, ended in probably about 12.30 or so, I think. Yeah. I was... That was a good, that was a good way to end it, though. Yeah. I, I specifically wanted to see Quilt last night uh where are they from they're from boston and they have i I don't even know how to say like it's it has a real 60s 
hippie feel, but they're such real, just really good musicians with great harmonies and uh, clean um, instrument interplay. But it was late, and I was done. I, w I, I, I was falling asleep before in the first band. I like found one of the soft chairs at the Neurolux, and I was kind of uh -huh. like, I took off my shoes, and I leaned back, <laughs> and I kept falling asleep, <laughs> which is always a dubious thing at the Neurolux because it's so yeah. loud. It's like, how tired do you have to be to fall asleep in the Neurolux? That was the... Uh... The one downside to the Boise Contemporary Theater is very dark, and they had very cushy seats, so it, that was an easy place to kind of, especially if the music is it's ambient or whatever. Um, I remember Bijou's set was very beautiful, but I was a, a little bit sleepy-eyed for that one. Uh, um, one of the one thing I wanted to talk about was yesterday I went to two shows at the Water Cooler um, for old kind of Boise bands with, that had kind of deep roots. Um, Revolt Revolt, which is Chris Bach's band, uh -huh. and they recently had their uh, bass player quit, so his son Oliver, who was in uh, local band Mind Rips last, um, he has joined them on bass, and earlier in the day at the same venue I saw Sick Wish, which has uh, Brett Nelson, who was in Built to Spill and Butterfly Train, um, his current band has his son Jonah playing drums and um Jonah was one of the standouts uh, musical performances of the entire Tree Fort for me. That kid um, is a killer drummer. He, uh, when he ended, the whole place was like clapping, and you could tell it was not only for the band but for his performance because he kind of owned the room. Cool. The Boise history of rock—it's generational. Yeah, it's so funny, and I'm, you know, I'm sure those bands wouldn't like to, to have that be, like, the main story about them. Oh, it's a father-son band. Um, <laughs> right. Because they're they're great. Musically, they're really great. So, you know, it goes beyond that narrative. But it, as a someone who knows the people and has been following Boise Rock, it's pretty awesome to see a second generation of kids coming up and... And that's that's the cool thing about Tree Fort with that history of Boise Rock Show on the first night, and then just seeing all the young bands intermixed with some of the older bands, obviously Built to Spill and pe people like Brett being in Sick Wish, which is kind of a young and old band because the, uh, the the other guys are somewhere in between Brett and his son age wise. So it's cool. They uh, the kids are the ones that have to keep keep the stuff going. So. Us old old guys can only be counted on for so much of the show going and all that stuff. It's a young people's game. Yeah. <laughs> that was 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thanks. Yeah, it went really fast, so we'll have to chat a little bit after. But you've been listening to Jason Sievers on 42 Minutes, of production of SyncBook Radio on SyncBook.com. Be sure and check out Jason's Vimeo page, which we will link to for more information. For more information about the SyncBook, our guest, check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at SyncBook.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a SyncBook Plus member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio, and video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much. And in all our searching, the only thing we found that makes the emptiness bearable is each other. Mm -hmm.